0: Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Vision is powerful. It makes a difference. We conclude our series this week on a life of influence. We're wrapping it up. It's part four of, of the series, A Life of Influence. And I want to speak to you about Vision. I want to conclude this series by kind of landing on the thought that vision is powerful. Vision makes all the difference. I want to speak to us this morning about the power of vision. Week one of the series was all about how God doesn't make tables and chairs. God makes trees. Do you remember that? T.D. Jakes, he said, God don't make no tables and chairs. God makes trees. And he says, I'm going to give you a tree. Use your influence. Use your brain to take what's in your life and to do something with it. And then week two, we ask the question, "What's in your hand? What have you got? What's God given you? Some of you have got lots of brains. You lead businesses and departments and organizations, and you teach kids and you, you create environments that are amazing. You use those brains to influence. And last week I asked you the question, what are you thinking about? What are you sinking about? The ship that said, we are sinking, we are sinking. And the German coast guard right back and said, well, what are you sinking about? (laughs) This week as we land the the plane this week in this series, the power of vision. There's a powerful story in scripture about a, a man who decided to follow Jesus, a man who passionately, passionately loved Jesus. But in a moment of weakness, he betrayed Jesus. And because of his betrayal, because of just his disappointment and his devastation, this man called Peter, he lost his vision for his life. He lost his vision for his life. Years before that, Jesus had come to Peter and, and had got him on the edge of a lake as they were fishing, and Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus had come to him where he was, and he'd said to him, Peter, I want you to use your life for something amazing. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 onwards. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also caught Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. They left their nets at once and followed him. Peter had had a vision for his life. Come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men, not of people. And he'd listened, he'd heard, he dropped his nets and he went off and he said, I'll follow you, Jesus. But then a moment of testing came, then a moment of trial came, and in a, in a courtyard late one night into the early hours of the morning on the night of Jesus' betrayal, Peter betrays Jesus. He says, I never knew him three times. And he, because of that, because of the disappointment, because of the disillusionment, because of the devastation of that moment, Peter has lost his vision. How do we know he's lost his vision? Because we're going to check him out in John chapter I'll tell you right this moment 21 John chapter 21 and we're going to read from verse 3 onwards this is now after Jesus has died been buried resurrected Jesus is now appearing to his disciples in his resurrected form okay He's come back to find Peter. He's come back because he's got an appointment with this guy. What's the first thing we see Peter doing? Verse three, I'm going fishing. He's gone back to his fish. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Isn't it irritating when you catch nothing? At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Isn't that an even more irritating question? Have you caught anything? (laughs) All the fishermen are like, yeah, you muhu, Don't speak like that. No, they replied. And he said, well, throw your nets out to the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. Don't you like wise guys? Hey, have you fished on that side of the lake? Have you used that rod? Have you put that bait on? Check that worm. That'll do the trick. These guys, you can imagine the irritation. Anyway. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Skip down from verse 7, go to verse 10. Jesus stands on the shore now, and he says, bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Peter has lost his vision. Jesus called him into a new life to fish for people. He's gone back to fishing for fish. Why? Because he's so disappointed, so disillusioned, so devastated with the fact that he betrayed Jesus. Perhaps this is where you find yourself today. Maybe you've disappointed yourself, your spouse, your children. Maybe you've disappointed God and you've found yourself because of that disillusioned, disappointed, somewhat devastated and you've, maybe you've lost your vision for life. And this is where Jesus finds him and Jesus then calls Peter aside. He calls him aside. He calls him aside from the disciples after breakfast so they've had their they've had their, their brekkie jesus has cooked them some fish and it's just some bread they had roasted brookies as well braai breads cheese and onion flavor because that's the only one that's worth having jesus said it doesn't say it in the bible but in the in the new byron version it says they'd had vo- <laughs> they had Vor and chakalaka after that And Peter was just sitting down with an espresso in his hand. And Peter calls him aside. He says, hey, Peter, come this way. I need to talk to you. And this is where we pick up the exchange in John, same chapter 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus called Simon Peter. Watch this. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We're not quite sure what the these are. Some scholars think maybe the these refers to the fish. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these fish? 153 of them, which I just helped you catch. Do you love me more than them? Others believe maybe Jesus was talking about the disciples. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Your brothers, these disciples. Do you love me? Whatever the these is, he's asking the question, do you love me more than What's in your life? And he goes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then, then Jesus goes, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Uh, sorry, um. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Sort of like the husband. He gets asked by his wife, hey, do you love me? And he says, yeah, of course, man. I told you on the wedding day. For changes, I'll update you. <laughs> Don't do that, Kulu. Okay. Amy will give you a clap. says, then feed my sheep says that he gives him his vision back and then he says now let me tell you what it's going to cost you i tell you the truth when you were young you were able to do as you liked you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go but when you're old you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you didn't want to go jesus said this to let him know by what type of death he would glorify god In this exchange, Jesus gives Peter his vision back. It's a, it's a powerful encounter. That encounter, that, that dose of fresh vision from Jesus to Peter, it got Peter back into the game. And he went on. Peter went on to lead the early church, guys, into explosive growth. He went on to preach the first Christian sermon, preached at Pentecost. 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. Eventually, he died for his faith. He was so in love with Jesus. He was so determined to live like Jesus was. He was so in love with his Lord that when they decided to crucify him, Peter, he said, I'm not even worthy to die like Jesus. If you're gonna crucify me, crucify me upside down so that I don't die like he did. I'm not worthy to die like that. It got him back in the game. What was it? It was a fresh dose of vision that Jesus gave Peter. I wanna say it again to you this morning. Vision is powerful vision is the fuel vision is the fuel of influence vision is the fuel of influence a couple things about this vision and when I speak about vision some of you are like I don't know what you're talking about when you talk vision like is it pie in the sky like is it a dream that you have or how, how does it work like uh, I'm not talking about some airy fairy esoteric pie in the sky willy-nilly like put it in your pipe your soul pipe smoke it it makes a pink cloud of haze around you and, and you just you go to the vision no I'm not talking about an airy fairy I'm talking about a concrete word from Jesus I'm talking about a deep impression in your soul I'm talking about a picture that he gives you of how it is that you and I are called to influence our world we don't have to change the world we just have to change our world you don't have to solve the world's problem just solve your world's problems are you with me Couple of things about this vision to help put flesh to this. If you if you're a, a kind of a practical kind of person, and you what does this look like? Here's a couple things about this vision that Peter gave, uh, that Jesus gave vision that you, uh, Peter that you need to know about. Number one, vision begins with friendship with Jesus. So the, here Peter calls him aside and says, "Hey, I want to talk to you." The first question he asks Peter is, "Peter, do you love me?" I find that remarkable. If I'd been betrayed, don't know about you guys, but if I'd just been betrayed, and now it's my first one-on-one that I get to kind of have a sit-down with the person who betrayed me. Don't know about you, but my question would not be, do you love me? My question is, yay, why did you do it? (laughs) Are you with me? Anybody else? Like, why did you do it, dude? But notice that Jesus, when he comes back to rescue Peter, Notice, and this is what he does with each one of us, he doesn't ask us sin management questions. He doesn't go, Peter, why did you do it? He doesn't go, why did you do that on Friday night? Why did you act like such a chop like that? Why, why, did, why do you support the sharks? He doesn't ask questions like, <laughs> like this. Because <laughs> Jesus is not into sin management. Jesus never came to manage our sin. He came to make us new. Jesus couldn't come to fix our hearts. He came to give us new hearts. Are you with me? Jesus is not into managing your sin. He doesn't actually care about why you do what you do. He just knows that you do, and he knows that he needs to rescue you, and he knows that he needs to ask you a question to your heart. And the central question, the question that he needs to ask you, the question that stops our sin in the tracks is, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus gives visions to his friends, not his acquaintances. That's why I asked Peter, hey, are you my friend? Are you, do you love me, do you love me? Because I can't give you, I can't, I can't, I can't re-envision you unless I know that you love me. Because I can, I can cost you the white hot vision, but if you don't love me, you're never gonna execute that vision. we have got to ask ourselves the same question, do we love him? Jesus always puts friendship before function. Because he's kind and he's gracious if you've ever been in a church where all they do is sin management you're not in a gospel-centered church if you grew up in a tradition where you were made to feel guilty for your sin I want to tell you that's not Jesus that's man making you feel Jesus is not into guilt he's into restoration he's into healing he's into redemption he's into new starts he's into are you with me And so he asks, so you my friend, do you love me? Because that's the question. Not where were you on Friday night, why you did what you did on Friday night. He doesn't care. He wants to know, do you love me? Peter, there is a life ahead of you despite your betrayal. Number two, vision is vertical. It flows down, if you like. It comes from him to us. Jesus gives the vision, we respond to it. There was a great book written by Henry and Richard Blackaby called Experiencing God. I highly recommend the book. If you're ever wanting to understand how to get on board with God's agenda in the world, it asks and, and positions the question fundamentally differently to what our society does today. Our society, we have a whole generation of people saying, hey God, I'm really skilled and really good at, would you use me in that area? And, and that's not the way biblical vision works. In fact, Moses couldn't speak, yet God asked him to liberate Egypt, uh, Israel from Egypt. Abraham was an old toppy. And you had a kid. God calls unlikely and unskilled and ill-fitted thing, people to things. we got a whole generation, God, God, I'm really, into like, I'm really into like the arts. Do you think you could use my artistic gift? And talent? We get people coming to us all the time. I can sing. I want to be on the worship team. I go, no, you can first serve. Because God's not into your talent. He's into your heart. So, if you want to be a so everyone can you hear your voice? We, we, you will never be on this platform. Same with young people. Oh, I've got a gift to preach. Oh, really? Let me see your gift serving first, and then we'll see how you go. Are you with me? We've got to be that kind, that that kind of person. we not. We're not in. God's not into your gifting; He's into your heart. Vision flows down. He's He's Lord. We're subject. He's master. We're servant. He's king. Where is people? You with me? Vision is vertical. Jesus doesn't come to Peter. Hey Peter, I check. I see you're a good fisherman. I think if you could set up like a spaza shop on the side of the Lake of Galilee. And then, I'm gonna use you in, so you can fish in the day, and then you can witness to people at night. And like while you're serving them fish, you can witness and make an impact like that. He goes, no. He calls him out of that life and he says, now come and follow me properly. I'm not going to take your gifts, talents, Peter, and what you think you're good at, and I'm not going to re-engineer them for my purposes. I'm going to call you out of that thing and I'm going to set you aside for something great. Are you with me this morning? Number three, vision speaks to the heart, not the head. That's why he starts with Peter's heart. He doesn't go to Peter. Hey, Peter, got an assignment for you. Um, by the way, the Catholics are gonna view you as the first pope. It's gonna be awesome. St. Peter's Basilica is gonna be named after you. And um, you're gonna preach at Pentecost. And there's gonna be awesome stuff going on there. And then you're gonna have a, a, this cool experience uh, with a sheet that comes down out of heaven where you're gonna have like a dream about hooved animals and, and how you can eat anything. And, and then I'm gonna send you to the Gentiles. And d- God, God doesn't do that. Jesus starts with his heart in my experience God very rarely when he gives us something in our lives to do God very rarely gives us the next step or the next sequence or the next specific he, he hardly ever does that guys are like oh I want God's vision for my life I want to know what I must do next God hardly ever gives that for, instead of asking what you must do next ask how you must know him next are you with me how must you know him? He starts, he starts with the heart and then he moves to the hands and the, and the head. He starts with a question to the heart. Do you love my sheep? Do you, do you love me? Do, will you feed my sheep? Vision is vertical. Vision speaks to the heart and then to the head and vision becomes a verb. Jesus starts with a question to Peter's heart and once he settles that question. He says, now I can ask you, would you employ your hands? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? If you do, then you'll do. You don't do and then try and love Jesus. He says, do you love me, Peter? If you do, then you'll feed my sheep. It starts with a question to the heart and then it moves to the hands. Vision always becomes a verb. This past Thursday, I, I had the great privilege of just coming alongside and watching as the SHINE Committee and the SHINE leadership opened the brand new computer center at Rekha Park in and Secondary School. Isn't it that's what it looks like? Isn't that awesome? How awesome is that? Grade tens, elevens and twelves can go there, get online tutoring. They don't have to wait for the tutoring sessions, they can get online tutoring. They chatted to the head boy of the school on Thursday. He wants to do aeronautics. He's like, you don't understand what computer access does for me, internet access does for me. He's like, I've been waiting for an email from UJ. I check him there two minutes later. He's opened up his Gmail account, and he's busy reading through the email from the school. He's got the best rest of the application form open, and he's busy working through it. It's a game changer. I think internet access is fast gonna become almost like a human right because you can't move forward in life unless you've got internet access. Isn't that cool though? Vision's a verb. Vision means you open computer centers. February 2019, the next verb in Shine's vision is a literacy center for grade twos. Do you know that the majority of our of our grade twos, where as they progress to grade four, by grade four, church, listen to me this morning, they can't read and write for meaning. Grade two is the perfect time to intervene in that. So Shine's starting a literacy program. It's kicking off early next year, where you get an opportunity for one and a half hours of your week to come in and to help grade twos learn to read and write. I mentioned a couple weeks back that it was only uh, ladies who could help with this that was incorrect. We've clarified that with the people who developed this program. Men and women can do it. So you can get involved. Uh, It's just obviously background checks and all of that sort of stuff because you're dealing with small, small kids. So like a lot of the people in the front row here would be disqualified. (laughs) Very dodgy, a lot of them. But men, men and women, why am, I, why am I telling you about this now? I'm telling you about this now because in a couple of weeks' time, mid-November, there's gonna be a gathering of people that are interested in helping. And we wanna start helping you understand uh, this beautiful program. So if you're interested and you want vision to become a verb in your life, here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where you get to actually live out the sermon on a Sunday. Don't leave today without putting your name down at the info desk and say, I wanna get involved with that because then we'll contact you, get you connected in. And there there won't be anything to do before next year, but just there'll be a gathering first uh, couple weeks in November where we just wanna help you understand how this is all gonna look. Yes, because vision is a verb. Vision is a verb. If you get hold of that, it changes the game. Vision is a verb. And just a couple... In fact, next week, vision can become a verb, will become a verb for every single one of us because we get an opportunity to sow and invest into an offering. It's a verb. We put our faith and our money where our mouth is. We sow, we invest, we help kids, we build computer centers, we send missionaries. All of that offering that's coming in, kids' church in Mozambique. We're going to be sowing into that. We're going to build the kids, the the church in Mozambique that we've been busy with, we're going to build them a whole brand new, they've never had it before, a building for their kids' church. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Vision is a verb. Vision is a verb. Vision doesn't sit in church and say, that was lacquer, now let me go and get pizza and coffee. Vision makes a decision to apply what's been taught and to get off your bums, my bums, I've only got one and to put it into practice. Vision is a verb. I love how Jesus, immediately after he gives Peter vision, he says, now let me tell you what it's gonna cost you. Let me tell you what it's gonna cost you. You're gonna die for this vision. Do you believe in the vision? You're gonna die for it. We believe in this vision, I'm ready to die for it. I'm so passionate about this church, I'm ready to die for it. I'm so passionate about kids, I'm ready to die for them. That's why we build them buildings and create special needs classes. I'm, I'm so passionate about mission. I'll die for that stuff. I'm so passionate about people in Rehoboak, I'll die for them. Vision is a verb. Vision is a verb. How's 10 o'clock doing? All okay? Now, there's one key to this whole story, which if you're not careful you might just miss it as we read the story there's one key that explains why Peter got fresh vision there's one reason why he got fresh vision it's because Jesus called him aside and Jesus had one-on-one time with him can I suggest to you that if you want to get fresh vision from him you need fresh time with him pulling what does that mean you said to me what does that mean put legs on it put flesh on it help me understand it. it means that we have to learn to wait for him to speak how does he speak you might ask remember jesus here was in person with with peter he was in his resurrected form but he had flesh he had bones and he was he was talking to peter and he and he gave him these words you and i don't have that hey i mean it's not like we can just go hey jesus come talk sit next to me how does he do it remember when he ascended to heaven he sent His Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus now lives in every single Christ follower. He, he lives here. He resides here. He gives you promptings. He gives you convictions. He gives you comfort. He gives you challenge. He speaks to you. He tells you, hey, don't ignore that beggar. Speak to them. Are you with me? He says, oh, there's an opportunity. He gives you thoughts. He gives you impressions. He gives you musings. He gives you wonderings. He gives you questions. He helps you to see stuff from Scripture. But how do you do it? You've got to wait on Him. How do you do it? You come aside from our mad, crazy world. Anybody here who has information overload, put your hands up right now. So much. We come aside from our hurried, harried, overloaded, Overcommitted, crazy world and we come along we come aside and we sit are you tired worn out burnt out are you at the end of yourself there's a key that you're missing you're burnt out because you're not waiting on God watch this Isaiah 40 31 those who those who We'll do what? Those who wait on the Lord. Scripture encourages us to wait three ways. Did you know that waiting is active and not passive? Who are the, who are the sort of get going kind of alpha type personalities? Who are, the, who are the guys who hate waiting? Like if there's a queue, you'll, you'll miss it. If, if there's a, a chance to get a shorter queue at the robot, that's you. If you go to home affairs and see the queue and turn around and walk out, this, is, this, this can be hard, but I'm going to help you this morning because waiting is not passive. Waiting is not like you're in the home affairs queue and you're at the mercy of some bureaucratic civil servant who may or may not like you. <laughs> waiting, is, waiting is active. Three ways scripture teaches us to wait. Firstly, scripture encourages us to wait quietly. Watch it in Psalm 62, verse 1. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. I feel like I need to say to somebody this morning, I'm not sure who it is, but I want to say to you that your victory will come when your waiting starts to happen. Some of you are, are desperate for some victory in an area of your life. Some, there's an area that you haven't been able to break through, and I just feel like this is for you. That if you would start to wait on Him, your victory is wrapped up in your waiting. Secondly, we're taught in Scripture to wait, wait, not only quietly, we're taught to wait patiently. Psalm 37 verse 7 tells us that we are to be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Can I say to all the A-type personalities, all the drivers, all the hard-charging ones, all the guys who are into building stuff and doing stuff and making stuff happen, if that's you this morning... Can I say something into your spirit this morning? You will never waste your time when you're waiting on God. Waiting on God is never a waste of time. It feels so hard, hey? Eh? Sometimes I wait there, I'm like, Jesus, like this is a waste of time. I've got a to do list. Can you get on with it, please? you're never wasting your time when you're waiting on him all okay this morning number three we're taught to wait expectantly Psalm 130 verse 5 tells us this is why I wait upon you expecting your breakthrough check it out this is why I wait upon you expecting your breakthrough that helps me because I realize that waiting's not a passive thing Waiting's not like, oh, I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like, you know, waiting's not like a, like a hope game. Waiting's like a, I can wait patiently. God, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to discipline myself to be patient. I'm going to wait quietly. I'm going to filter out all the noise. I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to put it on one side and I'm going to make notes. Remember paper, guys? Do you remember that thing? Remember like paper and pens. Anyone still got a pen? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of my digital cocaine. Oh, that's a whole nother message. I mustn't go there. <laughs> yes, yeah, like uh, I want to go there. No, I mustn't. Okay. I'm going to get rid of that. and I'm going to wait. and I'm going to wait expectantly. God brings an expectation in our lives when we wait. On Tuesday night, uh, Pastor Ken and I had the privilege of having dinner with um, an incredible lady in our Edenvale campus. This lady was the CEO of the hospice group up until recently. She still volunteers there two days a week because she's so influential and so incredible that they can't make decisions without her. And uh, she told me a story of how Mother Teresa came to visit the hospice group. Um, a number of years before she died. Mother Teresa died in 1997. Mother Teresa died, did you know this, just a few days after uh, Princess Diana. Just the way she would have wanted it. Because the whole world was going mull and nuts about Princess Diana dying, and quietly Mother Teresa just slipped away. Just the way she would have wanted it. No fanfare, no drama, no gedunta, just... Anyway, Mother Teresa, a few years before she died, she came to visit hospice because when Mother Teresa comes to a country, she wants to be with the broken and the dying and the lonely. She doesn't want to be with the president. So she says, may I come and visit your hospice group? They're like, yeah, for sure. So Mother Teresa came one day and she got out of the car and she, uh, she had a very particular posture about how she would walk, very um, very humble, very very understated. She would, you know, four foot whatever, like small. And she, would, she, she got out the car that brought her and she began to walk. And that formed a guard of honor in her honor that she walked through on her way up to the entrance to the hospice where she was gonna be visiting these sick people. And as she walked past each person, it was like a ripple effect, it was like a wave. Every single person in the God of honor just began to break down and weep with the presence of God that was so strong upon her life. she was an amazing lady but you know why she was amazing she was amazing because she had a vision from Jesus she had a vision from Jesus can we have some keys team can we have some keys hallelujah she had a vision from him a vision from him. That was the fuel to her influence. You know, her her vision came to her very similar to Peter's. One day she was sitting on a train to Calcutta and Jesus came with such a deep impression on her heart. He spoke to her from Scripture. He said, I want you to serve the poor, the lonely, and the dying. And for years, she cried out to Jesus as, as things got tough and as she battled and it was, became hard, she said, Jesus, give me something else. And he only ever gave her that one thing to do. He never gave her more, just that one thing. And her vision looked a lot like Peter's. It began with the friendship that she had with her Savior. It was vertical. He gave her the assignment. She accepted it. Spoke to her heart and not her head. Became a verb. Became a verb. This lady who was telling me the story last week, I was so inspired by the story. She, she told me that one, Mother Teresa relayed a story of how she was holding a man one, one day. And this man, had, uh, he was in such a, a sickly state that the maggots had already started to eat his flesh. And she began to take her tweezers and pull the maggots out of his flesh. And as she did so, he was crying, crying, crying. And she was just holding him in her arms and pulling the maggots out of his flesh. And she said, I'm so sorry. This must be so painful. He He said to her, I'm not crying because of the pain. I'm crying because this is the first time in 40 years anybody's held me. Vision is a verb. It does stuff. served people it's always 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 everybody say always always about the people it's about the people that Jesus wants to do something in wants to do something through it's about the fact that he wants to do things for people through people in people because of people it's about the fact that people are going to give him glory one day Next week, it's about the fact that there are special needs kids waiting in wombs as we speak who need you to leave an echo, who need you to remember that they need you. Because vision is a verb. It does stuff. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.